0: week, I'd like to tell you a little story about the most righteous and terrifying car chase I've ever been in. But first, I'm Quint Emmett, and this is Important Not Important, science for people who give a shit. You can hit subscribe right now to get this essay or whatever it is and my conversations with the world's smartest people every single week. Uh, you can find the web or email version and links to everything here at importantnotimportant.com or linked right from your show notes. So now, let's get to today's big thought. If you are driving in America, something I do not recommend, by the way, and a big or small yellow school bus stops on your side of the road, or even on the other side of the road, the next thing it will do is extend its little flashing stop sign. This, as they say, is the first sign. Almost later. 400 flashing red beacons light the bus up, like a Clark Griswold fever dream, all to make explicitly clear that you have to stop your car right now. And not, like, a gentle Tokyo drift closer and closer until the sign retracts like you do through all the right-on reds. You can't even call it close. You have to come to a full stop, like, pretty far away. There's no room for fucking around. Now, the bus is yellow, and the official warning signs are very, very difficult to miss. But in case you do miss all that and you're new here, you may notice all of the other cars around you, again on both sides of the road, that are already stopped, and then you can do that too. You're welcome. But if you don't stop at all for whatever reason, well, at least the first time penalties are different in every state, but they're in most places. Some examples. In Ohio, a violation is punishable by a fine up to $500 and the driver may be subjected to a driver license suspension for up to one year. In Hawaii, it is a fine up to $500 and or community service. In Idaho, it's a fine of $100 to $500 and 4 points assessed against your driving record. In Illinois, it's a fine starting at $500 and up to 90 J's in jail, which sounds great to me. Minnesota fine starting at $500 and up to 90 days in jail. In Mississippi, the first offense is a fine between $350 and $750 and or up to one year imprisonment. In Connecticut, it is a fine of $450 for a first-time offense. In Arkansas, it can result in a Class A misdemeanor and a fine up to $1,000 and or up to 90 days in jail. In addition to the financial and legal penalties. I have to imagine, or hope, that the societal implications of running through a school bus stop sign are actually worse. I know my own reaction would be, at least, what the fuck are you doing? I would be full of rage, aghast. Combined all these things, and it seems we have a pretty firm universal agreement here, right? In America, you cannot just drive through a school bus's stop sign and, potentially, hurt at least one child. Nope, not doing it. We will not risk one single child, despite years of doing this work now. I still like to believe that there's some generally agreed-upon lines that we all won't cross. Of course, I know that's not always true, or even most of the time, but this bushy-tailed naivete is informed, or probably skewed, by some personal experience. When I was very young, say, kindergarten or first grade. My own school bus meandered through every morning through a leafy, quiet college town neighborhood where it would pick up an assortment of other very small children. One morning, shit went sideways. Like, really sideways. We're driving along. The bus stops where it usually stops. The stop sign comes out. All the lights come on. And yes, those existed as far back as 1988, as my children refer to it the late 1900s. Anyways, I'm on the bus and I watch out the window as my curly-haired friend Grace left the safety of her front yard, bopped across the little street, really excited for another day of you know math lessons with popsicle sticks. But on this day, as I watched in horror, Grace was nearly crushed, jettisoned into absolute oblivion, when an asshole in a Ford Escort, or whatever, came screaming down her side of the street. Fuck your stop signs. Hey, everyone, it's Quinn, your host and the founder of Important Not Important. I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about the INI or any whatever we're calling it these days, membership and community. It's a gathering place, really, for our most dedicated shit a place to connect and learn from one another and to have access to me outside of the newsletter and this podcast. We started it last year and it's grown to hundreds of shit givers from all kinds from around the globe. I'm talking about teachers and investors, students, electricians, journalists, artists, scientists, and policymakers, and and more. Members get exclusive access to our daily news homepage, which is very cool, and to much more top-of-mind weekly articles, research, and tools that you can use and to stay ahead of the game, member-sourced action steps, twice-monthly book and culture recommendations that have nothing to do with the end of the world, virtual events, and, of course, the membership Slack channel. Look, so many people come to us asking, what can I do? And we think we do a pretty good job of answering that question and providing context for the answer. But the best answers and the best perspective really come from the community, a wide-ranging community. And we would love for you to be a part of it, to feel supported yourself, and to contribute to discussions and actions alike. And of course, by becoming a member, you're directly supporting our work here and ensuring that we get to keep doing it. So if you'd like to learn more, head to importantnotimportant.com. And if you're already a reader, you can just hit the upgrade button at the top. If you're not, go ahead and subscribe for free and you'll see the option to become a member at whatever level works best for you. And as always, you can always find the link to become a member right in your show notes. So thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for giving a shit. Back to the show. Now, to say the car missed her by inches would be an exaggeration. However, also I was like five or six, so who can know? The point is this. Our bus driver wrenched open her window, told dramatized Grace, go right back inside your house, told the rest of us to hold on, and then absolutely fucking floored it to chase down the Ford Escort. Now again, I was five or six or whatever, so this too-fast, too-furious experience felt, one, off the chain, and two, I'm terrified. As I, and probably thirty other elementary school kids shitting their underoos, careened around the bus, just grasping for dear life to our cracked leather seats. Now the whole thing ended, two minutes later, when our bus driver launched our bus, like a tomahawk missile, right into the perpetrator's front yard. She opened the door stomped down the stairs, and just laid into this criminal with a righteous fervor that would have made Honey Bunny climb right back into her booth. It was incredible. And again, I think it speaks to the very obvious and universally respected rule that you do not fucking drive through a school bus stop sign. Again, it's easy to assume this rule and rules like it are obvious and universally respected. And before I ruin that idea entirely, let's talk about another obvious example. Air safety. Now, to set the tone here again, personal level, I do not like turbulence. I didn't used to be quite so scared. I don't get it. But I'm sure it's some delightful combination of control issues and getting old. Maybe it's having my kids I'd like to see grow up, even if they have very little use for me already. Um, It's all made me significantly more fearful when a plane gets tossed around. By literally just air. Here's the thing though. I also understand more about probabilities than I used to or even would like to, and so I'm aware I'm significantly more likely to die from some sort of road traffic accident, either walking or on my bike or even in my own car, than I am in, on, whatever, an airplane. Living with this nuanced, informed perspective, which is basically this job, but in this case really knowing what a horror show American streets are, and how relatively safe air travel is, I've decided that my remaining fear is probably wrapped up in some sort of okay, sure, but if the plane goes down, you're not just twisting an ankle or whatever. There's no jaws of life. Like, I'm breadcrumbs sort of fatalism. As opposed to uh, a fender bender, right? But on the other hand, that's not totally true either. People... Survive plane accidents all of the time. Literally, there were two this week. Air travel is crazy safe. Yes, of course. Doors have been um, consciously uncoupling from their planes recently. And other planes have been running into each other in places where they would otherwise land safely. There's a reason for that. And it's called human nature. You could describe it as resting on our laurels or whatever. But vis-a-vis air travel, and some other things. We've recently decided, hey, these things are so safe, we can stop being so safe with them. Kind of like how Republicans uh, stopped vaccinating their kids from measles and polio. And just a reminder, measles is one of the most contagious infectious diseases, and also one of the most preventable. Two doses of vaccine in childhood is 97% protective. The World Health Organization estimates that some 61 million doses were missed or delayed in 2021. So, again, the argument again here is basically, if this thing is so safe, why do I have to continue doing the thing that has made it so safe? Let's unpack that. Zeynep Tufekci wrote recently in the New York Times about why planes don't usually run into each other, all things considered. She wrote, A National Transportation Safety Board investigation report reads like a how-to book for pulling off miracles and achieving seemingly incredible levels of safety. These reports renew one's faith in what humanity can achieve if we apply our brainpower and resources to it. But they also remind us that, much like liberty, these exceptional levels of commercial airline safety require eternal vigilance against the usual foes, greed, negligence. Failure to adapt, complacency, revolving doors at regulatory agencies, and so on. And of course, at this point, the only things we do eternal vigilance about are, you know, wombs and food stamps. Anyways, thanks to those trade-offs, comparing the safety regulations for air travel versus, say, again, cars, or supplements, or guns, is really, and usually, an apples and orange scenario. Which is why it's frustrating and really a shame that the one sector we said no fuck-ups allowed about, the most complicated of all of them, air travel, is now being allowed to slide closer to, okay, some fuck-ups. I mean, look, we once said, hold on a second, right, brothers. If we're going to let amateur pilots like yourselves or even professional ones just fling these 100-ton airliners all over the sky, there should obviously be very strict rules about who can fly what and after how much training, and where they can fly, and how many of them can take off, fly and land in one place at one time, what they should be made out of, and how often and how rigorously the planes themselves should be inspected. Shit, we should even make rules about how tall buildings can be without, you know, blinking flashing lights on top. There's no rule small enough to make sure everyone is safe full stop. Air travel is, was so good and so reliable. Like, How, for most of us, lights just turn on when you hit a switch, even though you don't know where your power comes from. Or water flows from your tap, even though you don't know where it came from. That has become almost invisible. It is a part of the long-accepted essence of everyday life. But as Zeynep also wrote, sometimes it's good to make visible the many invisible people who keep us safe. Except instead of doing that... And in the name of good business and shareholder returns, we've decided planes, and apparently shit like applesauce, are safe enough. Now, if you're new here, you may be wondering what my credentials are to judge such a thing. I am not my mother-in-law, who is an expert in risk and making peas with butter, but I am a liberal arts major who couldn't really figure out another realistic way to use my degree besides this critically acclaimed, mile-wide, and inch-deep understanding of the human condition and how it drives the macro forces and systems underpinning global economies into slowing down the jet stream. The point is, when it comes to kids, at least, and or the fundamental human necessities like air, water, food, and shelter, I feel like an agreeable threshold for safe enough is somewhat like Justice Potter Stewart, clearly defining hardcore pornography as I'll know it when I see it. Fucking obvious. Whatever your credentials, if we are arguing about the minutiae when it comes to kids, air, water, food, shelter, you are an asshole and we have lost the plot. Your kids, our kids, their kids have the same version everyone else has, or they don't, and vice versa. Anything else is unjust. As Peter Singer wrote, the notion of a judgment carries with it the notion of a standard or a basis of comparison against which the judging is done. But the thing about human nature is that our increasingly complicated incentives make these basic standards increasingly harder to define, much less to agree to. For example, Facebook's Moderation Circus decided this week that 2 billion global users can, yes, safely continue to share a lightly edited video implying the President of the United States is a child predator. They consider all the possible secondary effects of that decision? Question mark? I don't think so. Now, this isn't to say that Facebook or Meta or whatever doesn't do a simply enormous amount of content moderation. If they didn't, and truly they do, the platform would have successfully facilitated way, way more genocides than simply the one in Myanmar. Anyways, trade-offs. We, they, have decided that the internet cannot simply only be a safe place. I believe we can do better, though. I believe we can agree on how to define and how to come together on some truly basic shit. Because as much as most of our systems decidedly do not match up to air travel, we've made progress in a whole variety of other areas, overcoming previous trade-offs for the better good. You cannot simply light up a cigarette wherever you want anymore, or really most places. Because it turns out that this is not only very bad for you. It's actually probably even worse for me. The work to get to this point was endless, and then another post, and another day. I will happily name the bad guys by name. But we finally got here, and holy shit, have we made huge strides against real own goals like lung cancer since then. There's even other examples. Consider how surgeons now have to actually wash their hands before digging around inside your meat bag or how food workers have to also wash their hands as they painstakingly assemble your carnitas bowl, which, for several reasons, looks exactly like the inside of your meat bag. Guac, as you know, is extra. In fact, both of these professionals and many more also have to wear gloves, because we decided it's not actually enough to make them just wash their hands. That's amazing. The things we will do for safety. Again, we've learned a lot and applied it. Germ theory. Uh, (laughs) DDT. Seatbelts, chemo, vaccines for smallpox, tetanus, yellow fever, COVID. It is literally like the, the architecture of Reading Rainbow. The more you know. These are all examples of where we have used new knowledge or updated our priors, which is even more important, to protect more people, especially kids, because we could and should. We didn't used to do these things, Right? Like how we used to let people and animals poop upstream of other people's drinking water. Or how we let, you know, Kodak dump a gazillion gallons of chemicals into the waters around Rochester New York, and then, voila, a generation of CNY women had trouble conceiving. But we gained knowledge, often the hard way, and decided to make it better to do the work, if not equitably so. Because the stakes were too high, if those people don't wash their hands or wear gloves either could infect you with whatever they're carrying around or recently picked up or been quietly incubating, much like your kids. In the Chipotle version, we've seen this, the food worker could infect many people, because when people are sick but still have to go to work around other people, and their particular job is to make food for even more people, well, I mean, it's just math. It's actually the same math for health workers. or Really any workers, even if they're not You know, making your child a plain quesadilla again. We don't need to linger here. It's obvious to both you and me that sick people should not have to come to work, if at the very least so they don't infect their coworkers. Luckily, I have only one and she's 2,500 miles away, Uh, reducing workplace productivity and eventually the potential for those sweet, sweet shareholder dividends. It should seem super obvious. But despite those obvious incentives, That's not actually, yet, the rule here in America. And it's not the rule because of those pesky trade-offs, making even the most clear incentives kind of hard to cleanly argue for or against. But hold on, you say. Go back to the beginning. There's no trade-offs for the school bus example, you say. We can argue for trade-offs for almost everything, except for this precious, obvious thing. We will not risk one life. It's like, you're like, come to me with anything. Oh, two minutes later, or whatever, you're going to be late in exchange for a child's life? That's not a trade-off. What are we even doing here, having this discussion? And yet, there are some people, some very few but real people, who might argue for reducing these penalties, or doing away with them altogether. It's the rule of, if this, then what else? You might scoff, or even disagree with my claim, And I would, sadly, briefly provide significantly more context. In the National Association of State Directors of Pupil Transportation Service's 2019 Stop Arm Survey, 130,963 school bus drivers reported that 95,319 vehicles passed their buses illegally on a single day. Throughout a 180-day school year, These sample results scale to more than 17 million violations among America's driving public. Again, that's 95,319 vehicles self-reported to pass buses illegally on a single day, scaling to 17 million violations of that whole precious thing we talked about in a single school year. Now again, if this, then what else? The theme of last week's essay. Let's also remember that in this country a very, very loose ruling of a well-regulated militia continues to leave many children and their beloved teachers dead every year. All because that ruling was passed 230 years ago, guaranteeing personal liberty, which is before we knew about washing your hands or, or even dinosaurs. We just decided not to update our priors. We've decided to continue to contest the definitions of clean water and clean air. Who can say when they're clean, and what things we could put into your water or air that might then go into your bloodstream, or your golden doodle's bloodstream, or most likely a black person's bloodstream because of trade-offs. What's kind of incredible though is when you take a step back, we don't hide from these conversations. They often play out in public, if reluctantly sometimes, in newspapers, rest in peace, and on TV through vast dif- disinformation campaigns through greenwashing, and movies like Aaron Brockovich and uh, Dark Waters. And I'm going to throw a spotlight in there, too, because truly, fuck those people. Even my wife's beloved canceled TV show, Home Before Dark on Apple Plus, you can still watch it, spent a whole season asking what the fuck about an airplane company just dumping whole barrels of chemicals off the West Coast, which you might want to Google DDT and Los Angeles Coast. Anyways... Sometimes we even use these situations for laughs, which is something that occurred to me recently. And I think it's because it—we know how uncomfortable it makes it, and it makes us, and how fucked up the whole thing is. You know, we make jokes about Infrastructure Week because our pipes are still made of lead and our kids are dumber for it. We use terms around gun regulations like boyfriend loophole. We have shirts called wife beaters. Uh, football has roid rage all to cover for domestic violence. One of our trade-offs is so well known that we have affectionately renamed a particularly and intentionally dicey region of the Gulf Coast as Cancer Alley. We've inspired a bazillion helicopter parents, but US kids, say nothing about the world's kids, are addicted to their phones because we refuse to regulate big tech. Foster care is broken, and child care is inaccessible and unaffordable. In the US, kids are more likely to go hungry or live in poverty than kids in other wealthy countries, because we've decided that it's okay. Or at the very least, we've been unable to come to an agreement on what is not okay. How are we supposed to navigate this energy transition, and AI, and pandemics, if we cannot agree on the most basic, fundamental shit? argue about trade-offs and incentives, or gently suggest expanding the scope of a moral concern to include other people's air, water, food, and shelter, and health, instead of simply saying some things, like the lives of children, are simply, emphatically, non-negotiable. Here's your relevant action steps for today. Donate to tobacco-free kids to protect kids from e-cigarettes, obviously. Volunteer with every town to prevent gun violence in schools, right? Get educated about the many co-benefits of electric school buses. You are more likely to expose to toxic air inside the bus than outside of it. Sure. Be heard about keeping kids healthy by urging your representative to co-sponsor the Universal School Meal Program Act so they can eat and invest in companies with ESG metrics that align with your morals using fennel. That's it for this week. If you've got feedback, questions, opinions, arguments, whatever... Email them to me, to us, at questions at importantnotimportant.com. And of course, hit subscribe on your player, wherever you are, to get next week's issue straight to your feed. And as always, to go deeper, visit importantnotimportant.com. Thank you for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit.